This is Christian Questions. Benjamin Franklin once said, They who can give up essential liberty to obtain a little temporary safety deserve neither liberty nor safety. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to Christian Questions Talk Radio with a Purpose with Jonathan and Rick. This isn't your typical Christian commentary. We love talking with our audience, and we promise to never talk at you like so many talk shows do today. This is a conversation about biblical topics as we look at them from a different perspective. And Rick, that perspective is based on godly principles, family values, honest dialogue, all in a politically free zone. Jonathan, the best part is this. We talk and you listen, and then you talk and we listen. You can also contact us at our website, ChristianQuestions.com. I'm Rick. And I'm Jonathan. And we're glad you've chosen to spend some time with us on this fine Sunday morning. And Jonathan, what is up for this morning? It's a hot one out there. Oh, it is. It's like a steam bath when you walk outside. Well, Rick, our question is, how are America, Christianity, and freedom connected? And our theme text is found in Leviticus chapter 25, verse 10. And ye shall hallow the fiftieth year, and proclaim liberty throughout all the land, unto all the inhabitants thereof. It shall be a jubilee unto you, and ye shall return every man unto his possession, and ye shall return every man unto his family. And Jonathan, we all know that this past week, America has celebrated her birth as a nation and the 230 plus years of freedom that have followed. How did this American experience get its start? What, and this is, this is an important question, what was on the minds of those singular men and women whose lives were put on the spot, tested and changed so many years ago? What role did faith, Christian faith, play in all of this? Folks, stay with us this morning as we look back and take a look and see how it all started and uh, some of the, the amazing facts that you that maybe we're not aware of in terms of the relationship to Christianity and the founding of America. And Jonathan, first of all, we, this is a politically free zone, right? That's right, Rick. All right, so let me, let me state the ground rules here. <laughs> we're talking about some American history, but we're not talking about... Politics. That's right. So let's make sure we understand that. This is not a place where if you have political things that you want to say, that's wonderful. There's lots of other talk shows to say those on. But if you want to comment on Christianity and American history and how the two work together or some of your, your, your opinions on that, we'd love to hear from you on those things. But please, this is a politically free zone. And our number is 866-985-4255. That's toll free, 866-985-4ALL. We're live Sunday mornings from 7 to 9. That means we're on right now. And our website, ChristianQuestions.com. So let's get started. We're talking about freedom. We're talking about America because it is the 4th of July weekend. And the, the, the first question, Jonathan, really is what is the price of freedom? And what we know is this. Americans free, America's freedom came as a result of a hard choice and an utter commitment to that hard choice. And we know that but the Declaration of Independence uh, was a document that made that hard choice very plain and very, very, very specific. It sure did, Rick. So let's actually, we're not going to read the whole Declaration of Independence, <laughs> but we do want to read a part of it because this is called Christian Questions. And so obviously this is a, a biblical perspective on, on everything that we look at. And there is a terrific biblical perspective right there in the first few lines of the Declaration of Independence. So Jonathan, let's get started with that, just the first few lines here. When in the course of human events it becomes necessary for one people to dissolve the political bands 
which have connected them with another, and to assume among the powers of the earth the separate and equal station to which the laws of nature and of nature's God entitle them. A decent respect to the opinions of mankind requires that they should declare the causes which impel them to the separation. We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their Creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And everybody knows that particular line. That's right. The pursuit of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And and that's an important part of this. But what's more important is how do you get there? What Where does life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness come from? Well, according to the founding fathers of the United States of America, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness come from their creator. That's right. Their creator, and he has given us these unalienable rights that all men have. And, and when you say all men, we mean women too. Okay. Yes. <laughs> all men have these things. So in the first several lines of the Declaration of Independence, you have a couple of references to God. Mm-hmm. Now, it doesn't reference Christianity, does it? No, it does it not. It doesn't reference Jesus Christ, does it? No. But it does reference God, nature's God, and the Creator. So you have a sense that, and, and I think this is important, the beginning of this country was founded on a basis that we're small, God's big, we're just trying to do something good in relation to the bigness of God. I like that. And I think we need to realize that, like it or not, that is where this particular country got got its beginning. And and I think it's a great place to start with anything. Absolutely. Realize that you're small. Now, see, for me, that's natural. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But uh, the, the idea is understand the bigness of God and his creation and put yourself in the context of that. Folks, if you have a thought, we're talking about America, freedom, and Christianity and the connections. We'd love to hear from you at 866-985-4255. Toll free, 866-985-4ALL. We are live Sunday morning from 7 to 9, and that means we're on right now. And we want to hear what you have to say about today's topic. Post your comments on our Facebook page and our blog. Go to ChristianQuestions.com. Jonathan, let's go to a, uh, a soundbite from a Ronald Reagan speech uh, given uh, several years ago. He's talking about a young man, uh, a young soldier. Uh, his name is Martin Treptow. Uh, and he's giving a little bit, we're going to break this up into, into pieces, but just giving a little bit of a sense of, of history through the experience of this one individual, this young man. Under one such marker lies a young man, Martin Treptow, who left his job in a small-town barber shop in 1917 to go to France with the famed Rainbow Division. There on the Western Front, he was killed trying to carry a message between battalions under heavy artillery fire. So, the introduction is uh, you have this young man, Martin Treptow, in 1917, goes and fights in World War I, and he dies there. Yes. He, he's fighting in this rainbow division. He's a black man. And, of course, in 1917, it, this was before all of the civil rights movements and all of that, but the fact is this man was fighting for his country. We'll learn more about his story as we go through this. So that, that gives us an introduction. And we're going to be looking at a lot of pieces of history, Jonathan, that, that help us to understand the connection. And there is a connection between Christianity and the founding of America. Now, was America founded as a Christian nation? 
There's a question. That we'll get to later on, so stay with us for that. So, Jonathan, America's freedom we talked about came as a result of hard choices and a commitment to those choices. What about Christianity's freedom? Because what we want to do is draw parallels between the two, because they are separate, but they run in a lot of ways in a sort of a parallel uh, development. Good. Let's start with Romans. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So Christianity's freedom then, Christian freedom comes as a result of a hard choice and an utter commitment to that choice. And that's what that Roman scripture says. It does. It's a hard choice. By the mercies of God, present your bodies a living sacrifice. There's dedication. If there's ever any, any kind of sacrifice is difficult. When you, but when you're talking about a living sacrifice, the idea of a sacrifice in this context is the sacrifice, think about it, is supposed to be killed. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Good point. So let, let's, you know, wh- when you say put it all on the line, we're really talking about the, the Christian freedom is as a result of a hard choice to live your life as a living sacrifice and put it all on the line. Until death. Exactly. And in the next scripture, First Peter 4, 12 and 13, really begins to, to develop that because the idea of a living sacrifice is it's not, okay, I'm going to do it and then it's over. It's a lifetime of continual sacrifice because even though we say you know sacrifice even unto death it doesn't mean that you die instantly right okay that's for sure well first peter 4 12 and 13 beloved do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal among you which comes upon you for your testing as though some strange thing were happening to you but to the degree that you share the sufferings of christ keep on rejoicing so that also at the revelation of his glory you may rejoice with exaltation. So there is a strong commitment required to that hard choice. And it says, don't think it's strange that you have these fiery ordeals. It's not strange. It's what you signed up for. <laughs> I like it that way. <laughs> okay. Yeah. And really, with, with the founding of America, that's what they signed up for. They signed up for a fiery ordeal. Because it was not going to be an easy path, and they all knew it, but they did it anyway. And you give great honor and respect to to individuals who put themselves out like that. And they did it for the greater good of everyone. Yes, exactly. Let's go back to that Ronald Reagan speech about Martin Treptow uh, and develop that story just a little bit further. We're told that on his body was found a diary. On the flyleaf, under the heading, My Pledge... He had written these words, America must win this war. Therefore, I will work, I will save, I will sacrifice, I will endure. I will fight cheerfully and do my utmost as if the issue of the whole struggle depended on me alone. You know, wow. last week, Jonathan, you were talking about a specific scripture as refrigerator art. Yes. Well, I'll tell you, I love that pledge, and I look at that pledge in terms of what our Christian devotion ought to look like. Christianity, the, the, the cause of God, must win the war against the flesh. And it's a personal struggle. Right. You're, you're taking your life seriously to serve God. Right. Therefore, I will work, I will save, I will sacrifice, and I will endure. I will fight cheerfully and do my utmost as if the whole struggle depended on me alone. 
And that just gives you the sense of personal responsibility. And you have that showing up in this young man in the First World War. You have that personal responsibility showing up in the efforts of those who founded America. And our question to you folks is, is that personal responsibility still in you in terms of your Christianity and living up to the vow, the promise of Christianity? Jonathan, let's just touch on the last paragraph of the Declaration of Independence. We therefore... The representatives of the United States of America in general Congress assembled appealing to the supreme judge of the world. Now, who would that be? <laughs> for the rectitude of our intentions due in the name and by authority of the good people of these colonies, solemnly publish and declare that these united colonies are and of right ought to be free and independent states, that they are absolved from all allegiance to the British crown and that all political connections between them and the state of Great Britain is and ought to be totally dissolved and that as free and independent states they have full power to levy war, conclude peace, contract alliances, establish commerce and to do all other acts and things which independent states may of right do. And for the support of this declaration with a firm reliance on the protection of divine providence, we mutually pledge to each other our lives, our fortunes, and our sacred honor. And we're going to get more into those last couple of lines, Jonathan, but it says, with firm reliance on the protection of divine providence. So all of these promises, all of these declarations, all of these statements, all of these putting themselves out on the line was in relation to their belief in God overruling on their behalf trying to do what was the right thing. That, to me, is the essence of the founding of the United States of America. It was and should have always been God first. This is Christian Questions. I'm Jonathan here with Rick. Our subject this morning, how are America, Christianity, and freedom connected? Coming up, what is the greatest weapon in any arsenal? Martin Triptow, the Soldier's Pledge, reveals his secret. That's next. You're listening to Christian Questions. Welcome back. This is Christian Questions. I'm Jonathan here with Rick. Our subject this morning, how are America, Christianity, and freedom connected? To be a part of our program, call toll-free 866-985-4255. That's 866-985-4ALL. We're live Sunday mornings from 7 to 9. That means we're on right now. And our website, ChristianQuestions.com. And Jonathan, this is the uh, 4th of July week. And we thought it appropriate to take a little bit of time and talk about something that we normally don't talk about, and that's American history. That's right. And we're looking at it, obviously, as Christian questions. We're looking at it from the standpoint of God and the Bible. And what do God and the Bible have to do with the founding of America? And I... Bottom line, folks, the answer is, oh, pretty much everything. <laughs> and also this wonderful story about Martin Triptow, yes. the soldier that dedicated his life to this country. And, you know, that's just one story of who knows how many over a long, long history of individuals who saw something higher than themselves uh, in terms of defending what they saw was something valuable, that is freedom, and, and literally gave their lives for it. And, and that, that's very inspirational to, to, to be able to look at those things. So, folks, we'd love to hear from you, your thoughts 
on uh, the the connection between Christianity and American history and, and perhaps where we stand today, kind of looking back on that, uh, we stand in a very different place. We do. In a very different place, and, I, and I'm sad about that. But our number is 866-985-4255, toll free, 866-985-4ALL. We're live Sunday mornings from 7 to 9, and that means we're on right now. And our website, ChristianQuestions.com. Let's go back to another soundbite, and as we begin to develop this, you you said something at the end of the last segment about the weapons of freedom. Yes. All right. What are the greatest weapons of freedom? American freedom was fought for with truth. And I think that's an important basis to start from. This is a soundbite from David Barton, who is a historian, a Christian historian. Uh, and we are going to go back to him frequently throughout the program because he has a way of just bringing out things sort of matter-of-factly that most of us never heard of in terms of American history. Listen to what he talks about here about a Supreme Court case from 1892. Okay, Not, not at the founding, but 100 years or so after the founding, 1892, challenging the hiring of a Christian preacher. I don't know what, the, what all the details were, but just listen to his comments on the Supreme Court ruling. The court continued and said it's impossible for it to be otherwise. In this sense and to this extent, our civilization and our institutions are emphatically Christian. Now, what would have led the court to such an emphatic declaration that our laws, our institutions, our society was emphatically Christian and that it must include the teachings of the Redeemer of mankind? Well, the court said, the reason we say this is because it's historically true. They said, from the discovery of the continent to this present hour, there is a single voice everywhere making the same affirmation. We find everywhere a clear recognition of this truth. And the court proceeded to go into a history lesson. It went through 87 instances of American history, starting from the discovery of the continent, the time of Columbus, and going all the way through their current day in 1892. After having gone through 87 precedents, the court said, we could go like this for a long time. 87 is sufficient to say that Christ must be the center. That's amazing. That is. This is the Supreme Court of the United States of America. It's not the Supreme Court of some church. Some 120 years after the establishment of this country. Yes. The Supreme Court of the United States of America is saying, look, we have so many precedents showing the centrality of the teachings of Christ in America. Why would we even think of taking those out? It doesn't make sense because this is it's it's obvious that this was the intention and that was the centerpiece. That's staggering when you look at it in the year 2013. Oh, it is. It's staggering. But look it up. 1892 court decision, and they list out those 87 instances, which we're not going into. Uh, but the interesting thing, Jonathan, is what they did is what they were supposed to do. They looked back for previously set precedents to find out what the truth of the matter was. And that Christianity, Christian freedom, is also fought for with truth. And truth is the greatest weapon in any arsenal for anything, especially American freedom, but especially for Christianity. John eight thirty one and 32. Jesus was saying to those Jews who had believed him, If you continue in my word, then you are truly disciples of mine. And you will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. Okay, so you will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. There is a very clear, uh, absolute uh, promise that Jesus makes. You know True the tr- freedom. Right. You will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. So it doesn't mean that you just pro- repeat words 
Repeating words doesn't mean you know the truth. Knowing the truth, there's, there's something you have to do to get to the point of really knowing the truth and therefore experiencing that true freedom. So you have truth as one of the great weapons of freedom, both American freedom and Christian freedom. American freedom was fought for with humble observance of a higher way. And I want to stress the word humble because I think that we forgot that word in our society. We forget what humble is all about here. American freedom was fought for with humble observance of a higher way. And Jonathan, this this is a quote from James Madison. Or this is amazing. This, this is actually about uh, James Madison. Just short three lines. Let's, let's read this. At the Constitutional Convention of 1787, James Madison proposed the plan to divide the central government into three branches. He discovered this model of government from the perfect governor, as he read Isaiah 33, verse 22. Okay, and here's Isaiah 33, 22. For the Lord is our judge. The Lord is our lawgiver. The Lord is our king. He will save us. All right, and that comes from edshome.com, E-A-D-S-H-O-M-E.com, a website, uh, which deals with American history. And Jonathan, there's a lot to this. How did America establish a government that has three basic branches? How did America figure out the idea to have a, a judicial branch, uh, a legislative branch, and an executive branch? Did somebody say, hey, I got a great idea. Let's, let's, let's create a government and let's divide it into three pieces. <laughs> Nobody said that. James Madison said, here's a scripture that talks about God as our judge. What is that? It's the judicial branch. God is our lawgiver. What's that? Legislative. And Lord God is our king. Executive. And he said there's a principle set out where in scripture about the, the, the way governance should be over a people. Why don't we emulate that? How did we find out these the brilliance of three branches of government? How profound. It's written in the Bible. That's how we found out. Folks, if you have a thought, it's 866-985-4255. Toll free, 866-985-4ALL. We are live Sunday mornings from 7 to 9, and that means we're on right now. The conversation continues online at ChristianQuestions.com. Contact us there with your questions or comments. Also interact with us on our Facebook and our always updated blog. Again, that's ChristianQuestions.com. So, Jonathan... American freedom was fought for with a humble observance of a higher way, and that is a classic example of that humble observance. Christian freedom is fought for with a humble observance of a higher way. See, there's a parallel. And the interesting thing, Jonathan, is Christian freedom was there a lot longer before, long before American freedom was. Yes, that's right. And so you can see American freedom and the, the, the elements that went into American freedom can easily be drawn for, from and paralleled to Christian freedom, which was there, which is ancient history compared to American freedom. That's right. Let's look at 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 3 to 5. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but divinely powerful for the destruction of fortresses. We are destroying speculations and every lofty thing raised up against the knowledge of God. And we are taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. There's a lot there in the scripture, and we won't make a lot of comments on it, but John, th- th- this is a scripture that is a, is, is a foundation for a two-hour discussion. Oh, it is. Uh, but the bottom line is, okay, we're human beings. We walk in the flesh. But the warfare that we fight is not a fleshly warfare. No. And therefore, the weapons that we are using are not 
human fleshly weapons. So we have to rely, humbly rely, on a higher way, on the ability to use the weapons of God. The word of God. In fighting this spiritual warfare. And it says, and how do we do that? By taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. What a, what a great picture of the dedication it, it, it takes to achieve Christian freedom. Just like the dedication it took to achieve American freedom. You know, America It's a wonderful parallel. America did not become free just because a few people decided it would be so. And made a stand and everybody got out of their way. And, you know, everybody said, okay, yeah, you're right. That's the way it should be. There was bloodshed. There was, there was sorrow. There was hardship. There was tragedy. There was devastation. But they held true to what they believed was the right thing to do. And that, folks, see, I, I, I find great inspiration when, when you see history showing individuals who are dedicated to a cause higher than themselves. Mm-hmm. That is true and right and righteous and good. Uh, again, folks, if you have a thought, it's 866-985-4255. Toll free, 866-985-4ALL. We're live Sunday mornings from 7 to 9, and that means we're on right now. And stay connected to Rick and I at any time or day. Go to ChristianQuestions.com. There's exclusive videos, audio clips, our great rewind tool, and much, much more. Right after the show or any day this week, just jump on to ChristianQuestions.com. ChristianQuestions.com. That's the, the nerve center for everything that we do here. Let's go back to that Ronald Reagan speech, this story about Martin Treptow. Remember, we heard his pledge to fight and to do everything possible as though the whole issue was dependent upon him alone. Let's listen to the next part. We must realize that no arsenal or no weapon in the arsenals of the world is so formidable as the will and moral courage of free men and women. It is a weapon our adversaries in today's world do not have. It is a weapon that we as Americans do have. Let that be understood by those who practice terrorism and prey upon their neighbors. The great weapon Ronald Reagan talks about is the weapon of the will and moral courage of free men and women. There's power in that. Oh, there is. There is power in that. So American freedom was fought for with sacred honor. And just reread the last two lines of that uh, declaration that we had uh, read earlier. And for the support of this declaration, with a firm reliance on the protection of divine providence, we mutually pledge to each other our lives, our fortunes, and our sacred honor. So relying on divine providence, that's where the pledge comes from. Here's a, uh, a quote from George Washington, the day of his swearing in as America's first president. Uh, this was April 30th, 1789. No people can be bound to acknowledge and adore the invisible hand which conducts the affairs of men more than the people of the United States. Every step by which we have advanced to the character of an independent nation seems to have been distinguished by some token of providential agency. So he is saying that he sees the overruling hand of God in all of his actions, and he's not afraid to say it. See, today, 
for a, a politician to say something like that, they'd be looked down upon. They'd be ridiculed. They would. But you have the founding father, one of the founding fathers, George Washington, saying, look, this is what I see. This is plain to me. And, and this is what I want. It's not just what I see, but this, this is the way we want it. During his inauguration, Washington took the oath as prescribed by the Constitution, but added several religious components to that official ceremony. Before taking his oath of office, he summoned a Bible on which to take the oath, added the words, so help me God, to the end of the oath, then leaned over and kissed the Bible. That's a historical fact. Again, www.edeshome.com is where we, we, we got that from. And what that shows you is a humble reliance on something bigger than himself. So when we have this big discussion, this big argument in America today about, well, you've got to separate church and state. You can't mention God in the, in the context of mentioning American government. Oh, that's baloney. Because when you look at history, the whole point of American government was to honor God first. So, folks, if you have a thought, it's 866-985-4255, toll-free, 866-985-4ALL. Jonathan, just real quick before the segment ends, Christian freedom is fought for with sacred honor, engaging the battle by using God's armor. And So American freedom is fought for with sacred honor. Christian freedom is fought for with sacred honor. We have to use God's armor, Ephesians 6, 10 to 13. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. So there are parallels that we're drawing, and we're looking at Christian freedom as the basis, and then American freedom as almost like a baby in comparison, that was built on the basis of what Christianity is supposed to be truly about. And what is it, uh, is it about? It's about the will of God executed in our lives in a humble way, relying on the power of God and the overruling of God so that our lives can be in relation to uh, godliness following Christ Jesus. This is Christian Questions. I'm Jonathan here with Rick. Our subject, how are America, Christianity, and freedom connected? Coming up, is the freedom which our founding fathers desired the same freedom which Jesus taught his followers? Are there different types of freedom? That's next. You're listening to Christian Questions. Welcome back. This is Christian Questions. I'm Jonathan here with Rick. Our subject this morning, how are America, Christianity, and freedom connected? To be a part of our program, call toll-free 866-985-4255. That's 866-985-4ALL. We're live Sunday mornings from 7 to 9. That means we're on right now. And our website, ChristianQuestions.com. And so, Jonathan, in this segment, we want to look at, well, what is the goal of freedom? Where, where does freedom bring us? And, and, you know, I made some comments at the end of the last segment talking about, look, let's not ignore the, the place that God plays in America. Now, am I even beginning to intimate that America should be a, a, a Christian nation, per se? Well... It, it kind of sounded yeah, like that, I know. Rick. And, and that is not my point. My point is America was founded on Christian 
principles. America was founded on biblical principles. Let's not take those principles and their source out of our conversation and our discussion about where this country needs to go. So you do agree with the separation of church and oh, state? Oh, un- unbelievably so. <laughs> I mean, incredibly so. The whole thing is is about the, the separation of church and state is about not having a state religion, not having government answer to uh, to to religion. That's not the way, and that's not what the founders had in mind. Because of freedom. That's what they had in mind. But the separation of church and state also doesn't mean that you can't talk about religion when you're talking in the political arena. I like that. It doesn't mean you can't talk about it. It doesn't mean that religion can't have a place because historically they believed in the separation of church and state and religion had an enormous place in American history. Enormous. Let's not forget it. That's my point. Okay. <laughs> Very good. Okay. Now, and hey, hey, Rick, this is a great program for CQ Rewind. Yeah, there's a lot of things that we're, we're just, just brushing over. CQ Rewind, the full edition, it's a free service. It's available at ChristianQuestions.com. Uh, you, what happens is you get an email each week. It, it, it shows you a link to bring you to the, uh, the material. And uh, it was a very important uh, important aspect of just getting the whole story for what we're we're trying to say here. That's right, and the, all the bonus material and a lot of the things we don't have time to talk about. Okay, great stuff. ChristianQuestions.com, CQ Rewind. So, American freedom looks to deliver. What what's the goal? It looks to deliver life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness for its people. That's right. We right. know that because that's what it said uh, in the Constitution. Um, we're not going to reread that at this point. We've read it a couple of times. Let's go back to uh, another soundbite from George Washington. This is, remember we read his inaugural address, yes, part of it? Yes, Well, now let's go to George Washington's farewell address uh, as he is, he's leaving the political arena, if you will. And listen to part of what uh, was said uh, in, in, that, in that speech. This is very important and applies directly to where we sit today and the issues that we have. Before 1962 and 1963, the courts used biblical guidelines in all four areas. George Washington warned in his farewell address, Let us with caution indulge the supposition that morality can be maintained without religion, whatever may be conceded to the influence of refined education on minds, Reason and experience both forbid us to expect that national morality can prevail in exclusion of religious principle. So really what he was saying is, let's not go down the road of trying to establish morality without a religious basis for, for its thinking, because it's not going to work. Because he understood that when you take the concept of God out of things, what you're doing is you are now becoming God. Oh, wow. He understood that. He understood the whole idea of idolatry. So our way is best. We make the rules. Right, right. He's saying morality needs to be judged by something higher than and outside of ourselves. Let's make sure we never go that direction. So he was cautioning the future leaders of this nation. Yeah. Some incredible foresight there. So you see that and you say, wow, look at where we are today. And that's exactly what he said not to do is exactly what we're doing. And look at the mess that our country is in. 
Folks, if you have a thought, it's 866-985-4255, toll free, 866-985-4ALL. We're live Sunday mornings from 7 to 9, and that means we're on right now. And the conversation continues next hour online and all through the week. Christian Questions is live Sunday mornings on demand with tons of topics to talk about featured in our audio archive. Go to ChristianQuestions.com. Now, Jonathan, I want to make an, another statement that, uh, you know, I'm, I'm very emphatic this morning about American history and all of that. And let me say this, and, and folks, you're probably going to be shocked at this after all of my emphatic uh, approach <laughs> to this. I think that, for me, Christianity is not about being involved in the political process. For me. I, I just don't see, as a Christian, I have no desire and no, no thought toward being involved in the political process. But I do have a deep appreciation for the Christian principles that have been put in place, the biblical principles that have been put in place to give us the freedoms that we have. Absolutely. And so, you know, I'm, I am not personally advocating go out there and, and you know, be, you know, take your Christianity to the next political level. I don't, I, for me, that's not what the, the, the main focus of Christianity it's a personal level. Right, right. Just just wanted to state that as I because I'm so because <laughs> really my blood pressure is up this morning <laughs> in, in terms of all this. Now, we talked about American freedom, looking to deliver life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Christian freedom looks to deliver life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. I'm sorry, let me start again. Christian freedom looks to deliver life, liberty, and the pursuit of sacrifice. Sacrifice. Not happiness. Christian freedom is not about pursuing happiness. It's about pursuing sacrifice for its people, for the Christian people, so it can relay life, liberty, and happiness eventually to all people. See, which the, is the goal. Which is the ultimate goal. But it's the pursuit of sacrifice. That's what a true Christian life is about. Well, sacrifice is something that has been forgotten uh, in Christian faith today. It has. And it's unfortunate because we've taken Christianity and made it a, a nice comfy destination. Nice soft chair, you know, your your, your fuzzy slippers and, and a glass of iced tea. That's not a Christian life. Go back to the founders of Christianity and see what they went through. Right. Just like we're t- talking about is that understanding the founders of America and the sacrifices they made, let's study the founders of Christianity. Let's study the Apostle Paul and the Apostle Peter and the Apostle John. And let's study the words of Jesus and emulate what they said, what they did, and how they lived. That's what true Christianity is really all about. Jonathan, there are... Folks, if you have a thought, uh, now would be the time. 866-985-4255. Toll free, 866-985-4ALL. We are live Sunday mornings from 7 to 9. And that means we're on right now. Um, And our website is christianquestions.com. Let's... Jonathan, let's look at freedom. And we're going to do this very quickly. There's actually three words in the New Testament for freedom. Okay, uh, we've got much more on this in the bonus material of Christian Questions of CQ Rewind. Again, you can sign up for that at ChristianQuestions.com. There is no obligation uh, and uh, there is no cost. Uh, the first word carries a sense of physical or civil freedom. N- in other words, not being a slave or not being held down or held under. Okay, uh, that's First Corinthians twelve thirteen. For by one Spirit we are all baptized into one body, whether we be Jews or Greeks, whether we be bond or free and have been all made to drink into one spirit. Okay, whether we be bond or free, freedom, you know, freedom from slavery. That's one word, one sense of freedom in the New Testament. Okay, now, remember that thought. The second word carries a very full sense of being made free, not merely not being a slave, but rather being liberated. So it's not just 
away from slavery, but it's actually a step further. It's a step up. It's a step beyond. And that's Romans 8, 2 explains that. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. Okay, made me free from the law. Liberated is a great way to, to understand that. So one is simply not being a slave. The next step up is to be liberated. And the third word in the New Testament carries the personal application of being liberated, liberated the ability to make personal decisions. And that is, is shown in Galatians 5.1. Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ has made us free, and be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. All right, so now, why, why are we taking all this time to go over these three different words? Because they, there's three different things that are being shown here. American freedom, and we're going to touch on this after the soundbite, really focus on, uh, focuses on one of these things. Mm-hmm. Christian mm-hmm. freedom really focuses on the other two. Gotcha. Okay, so we so want there to, is a difference. Yes, we want to establish the difference between those things uh, as we go through this. Uh, but let's go back to that Ronald Reagan speech one more time uh, about uh, Martin Treptow and his pledge and then, and then the comments following, putting things in perspective. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it sacrifice for it we will not surrender for it now or ever we are americans you know you you listen to that and that's that's very inspiring it is and again that is a that is a level of freedom that is very important you know the idea of, of, of having a free people Christianity, though, is different than that. There, there's a parallel, but then there's a definite difference between the two. Uh, there's a marked difference between the founding of the United States and, and, and Jesus and the apostles' teachings regarding freedom. Okay? So, Jonathan, a couple points. The, 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 let's go, go to the first point. Sure. The founders were focused on the first definition uh, as their objective was a society that would be equitable and just. So the founders were based on, okay, America is going to be a place where People can be free. People can have the ability to live their lives in freedom, not under the thumb of tyranny. Right. Have freedom of religion, freedom of thought. Mm-hmm. Now, Christian freedom, when you think about it, isn't freedom of thought. No. Because you're supposed to be dedicated to giving up your own thinking and taking on the thinking of Christ. Right. And Christianity is not about physical freedom. See, America is. Christianity is about spiritual freedom, so it's a very different thing. Next point. Jesus and the apostles were very focused on the second and third words in our list. They were not nearly as concerned with the physical freedom and the equity of society as they understood servitude to be a temporary condition, contrasted with a deeper personal freedom to be gained in Christ on a spiritual level. Their primary concern seemed to be grasping spiritual freedom with responsibility. So, what's the difference between physical freedom and spiritual freedom? The difference is, and again, folks, some of you might think, just making this comment, you think, what? Where are you coming from now? Because, you know, I'm, I'm sounding so, you know, America is this, and don't forget it. The, the point of Christianity is not to save the world through America. It's not it. That's not the point. It never was, and it never will be. The point of Christianity is to look at the plan of God and to execute the plan of God in your every thought, word, and action. And what is the plan of God? Well, there's salvation in the plan of God for mankind, not a country, but for mankind. 
So it's a smaller goal because it's individual, but it's a wider goal because it's worldwide. Right. All right. And and there's a scripture we skipped over, Jonathan. I just want to go back to that. Genesis twenty two eighteen. And in thy seed shall all the nations of the earth be blessed, because thou hast obeyed my voice. That's an Old Testament promise that reflects the dedication of Christianity, its goal. All nations of the world shall be blessed. Have we seen all the nations of the world blessed? Not even close. Not Rick. even close. So that means something must be coming. So now let's look at Jeremiah thirty-one, thirty-four, And this is establishing the difference between the kind of freedom in America and the kind of freedom that Christianity is after. And they shall teach no more every man his neighbor and every man his brother, saying, Know the Lord. For they shall all know me, from the least of them unto the greatest of them, saith the Lord. For I will forgive their iniquity, and I will remember their sin no more. Again, that is another prophecy, and there are many that talk about a worldwide uh, freedom. That's not... And, and in the plan of God, when you look at prophecy, and again, folks, some of you may not like this, but here, here, here's our take. You don't see prophecy pointing to the United States of America as the beacon of freedom that will spread to and overtake the rest of the world. No, you don't. What you see as the beacon of freedom that will spread to and overtake the rest of the world is Jesus Christ and his true followers. Those followers are the ones who personally take on the responsibility of, of their sacred honor, giving all that they have. And, and how, how is that worded in, in the last thing? Um, their, their lives, fortunes, and their sacred honor, and dedicating those things to Christ, so that through that dedication, those Old Testament prophecies of blessing all the families of the earth can actually come true. So it's not through America, it's through Christianity that the true blessing eternally comes to all man. In the second hour, folks, we're going to be talking much more about the establishment of freedom, how freedom and Christianity worked together in the founding of America, and what our personal responsibility is as Christians to fo follow up on the, on the freedom that Jesus Christ gives us. For Jonathan and Rick, it's Christian Questions. How are America, Christianity, and freedom connected? We'll be back after the news, but till then, think about it. is Christian Questions. David Foster Wallace once said, The truth will set you free, but not until it's finished with you. <laughs> Good morning, everyone, and welcome back to Christian Questions. Talk radio with your breakfast with Jonathan and Rick. This isn't your typical Christian commentary. We love talking with our audience, and we promise to never talk at you like so many talk shows do today. This is a conversation about biblical topics as we look at them from a different perspective. And Jonathan, we have, I think, a, a very inspirational topic this morning. We really do, Rick. And our title is, How Are America, Christianity, and Freedom Connected? Our theme text is found in Leviticus 25, verse 10. And ye shall hallow the fiftieth year, and proclaim liberty throughout all the land unto all the inhabitants thereof. It shall be a jubilee unto you. And you shall return every man unto his own possession, and you shall return every man unto his family. 
And, and Jonathan, the interesting thing about that scripture uh, that I don't even think we mentioned in the first hour is the a portion of that scripture is engraved on the Liberty Bell. That's right. Proclaim liberty throughout the land. Yes. You know, the Liberty Bell. Where did they get that profound statement? Oh, I don't know. Maybe from the Bible. <laughs> and really, when you think about it, American history is very biblically based. And we should celebrate that. We should celebrate the fact that these men and women uh, several hundred years ago were, were trying desperately to establish freedom for the people of a nation under God in a godly fashion through the principles of the Old Testament law and the principles of the teachings of Christ. That is something worth celebrating. And, and folks, that's what we're talking about this morning. We're looking at American freedom because it's 4th of July week. And we're, we're, we're comparing and contrasting that with, with Christian freedom. Yes. They're about two different things, but they run very similar paths in, in what it takes for both of them to actually work. You got it. So, folks, if you do have a thought, it's 866-985-4255. Toll free, 866-985-4ALL. We're live Sunday mornings from 7 to 9 and... That means we're on right now. And our website, ChristianQuestions.com. Jonathan, just a quick little story, a little funny little story that's not necessarily related to the topic. But um, uh, Trish, my wife, is our, our, our uh, main call screener. And uh, she wasn't sure she was going to be able to be here this morning. So uh, she was texting Matt, who is our backup board guy, backup call screener, backup anything we do. Yeah, he kind he of backs help it up. us out. <laughs> but she texted him from my phone. Okay. And she said to him, "You know, Matt, I'm not sure I'm not I'm going to be able to be here, uh, be there for tomorrow morning. I'm going to need you to sit in for me and all that." So this comes from my phone. It doesn't have her name on it. So Matt thinks <laughs> that he's. I am asking him to sit in in my in your seat. seat. So he calls back, and I answer the phone. And he says, yeah, uh, I'm responding. And I, he's like sounding like, I had no idea. <laughs> he's, he, poor guy was like utterly panicked. <laughs> so we've been teasing him about it all morning. And actually, we during the break, we sat him in my seat and put on my headset and my glasses. and Took so, a picture. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're going we're gonna to include that picture up on the, on the website or with a rewind or something. So look for that. Just, it just it was funny that, uh, poor guy. <laughs> I, I really don't feel bad. It was kind of funny. <laughs> But anyway, let's get back to our subject here. Who are the fighters for freedom? And American freedom fighters were the men and women of the time driven by their sacred honor. That is really the bottom line. And and there's something powerful in that. They were driven by their sacred honor. We do this every year at the 4th of July, Jonathan. We read excerpts from a, a, a sermon called Death and Freedom by Dr. Neil Chadwick. You can find it on... Uh, www.webadelic.com and these excerpts just give us a sense of some of the the history of some of these patriots and what happened to them and their sacrifice and and that's the point their sacred honor they they put their lives where their words were and some of the results were not pleasant let's take a look Carter Braxton of Virginia, a wealthy planter and trader, saw his ships swept from the seas by the British Navy. He sold his home and properties to pay his debts and died in rags. He died in rags. Thomas McKeam was so hounded by the British that he was forced to move his family almost constantly. He served in the Congress without pay. Now there's an idea. Served in the Congress <laughs> without pay, and his family was kept in hiding. His possessions were taken from him, and poverty was his reward. And we'll, we'll pause there because we're going to go to a soundbite in a moment, but you think about that, their sacred honor, it cost them dearly. But they did it 
anyway. And I think there is such power in that thought. It may cost you dearly, but are you willing to do it anyway? It was bigger than themselves, right. and it was worth it. Exactly. Next soundbite, Jonathan, is from David Barton. He's a, uh, a historian and a Christian. And he is going to reveal something in this soundbite that I, until I heard this soundbite this past week, I did not know. This thing, this is another historical this fact. Is big. It blew me away. Listen to this. And while we're on things we don't study, you know, we do know about Paul Revere, the midnight ride of Paul Revere, the famous poem Henry Wadsworth Longfellow, that ride that Revere. Oh, Revere was not the only one riding. Uh, as a matter of fact, there was another guy riding at that time. His name was Wentworth Cheswell. Wentworth Cheswell was a black patriot. He was elected to office in New Hampshire in 1768. He was a leader in his church. He was re-elected in New Hampshire for the next 45 years, held about nine different political offices in New Hampshire. Well, we didn't know that blacks and whites were both riding, given the alarm that night. Absolutely. That's amazing. It is. You know, the hero of Bunker Hill is right there in the painting. We just don't talk about it. <laughs> That's the next one. Matt got excited. <laughs> he thinks he's sitting in my seat again. Look at him. <laughs> <He's> like, oh. <laughs> but that's amazing. Paul Revere didn't ride alone. We always picture Paul Revere riding alone. We do. But he but had that wasn't the fact. Wentworth Cheswold, a black patriot riding along with him, who actually served in government for 45 years in the state of New Hampshire. Folks, understand there's more to it than just what we see. And the, the point is there are many, many, many that sacrificed so much so we could have the freedom that we have that's right and we need to be thankful for that let's let's go back to the uh the the excerpts from the sermon uh, death and freedom at the battle of yorktown thomas nelson jr noted that the british general cornwallis had taken over the nelson home for his headquarters he quietly urged general george washington to open fire the home was destroyed and nelson died bankrupt think about that the courage the sacred honor your home has been taken over by the enemy, so you tell General Washington, destroy the home. Yep. Destroy my home because that harbors the enemy. There, Whoa. There is something deep about the kind of dedication. And Jonathan, one of, the, one of the challenges we have is we're so far removed from it. We are. We don't feel it. We don't feel we don't feel the, the 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 depth of sacrifice that these individuals put out. All we do is we reap the benefit. And when you're that far removed just reaping the benefit, you're missing something. So that's why we take this time and, and, and go back through through this. Francis Lewis had his home and properties destroyed. The enemy jailed his wife and she died within a few months. Again, personal sacrifice. Folks, if you have a thought, it's 866-985-4255, toll free, 866-985-4ALL. We're live Sunday mornings from 7 to 9, and that means we're on right now. Go to our website and become a Twitter follower and learn about upcoming programs and any new updates posted. Go to ChristianQuestions.com. All right, and don't forget CQ Rewind. You want to sign up for the full edition. It's a free service. It's available at ChristianQuestions.com. You can unsubscribe anytime you want. It gives you, it, it fills in all the details that we don't cover uh, during the program. Rick, here's another patriot, John Hart. He was driven from his wife's bedside as she was dying. Their 13 children fled for their lives. His fields and his gristmill were laid to waste. For more than a year, he lived in forests and caves, returning home to find his wife dead and his children vanished. A few weeks later, he died from exhaustion and a broken heart. Norris and Livingston suffered similar fates. So you think about that. You think about these people and, and what they gave and what they did. And hopefully this is becoming real, becoming more real to say that the sacrifice put in place was so that you and I 
could have the freedom that we have today. Let's be thankful for that. And let's be thankful for their God-fearing approach. To me, that's the big thing. They had a God-fearing approach. That's, that's such an important thing. Jonathan, let's go back to David Barton again. Another soundbite. David Barton is a historian and a Christian. And, uh, you know, he talked about Paul Revere not riding alone, but right. having a black patriot with him. Mm-hmm. Well, there's more to that, that type of story here. Let's listen. You know, the hero of Bunker Hill is right there in the painting. We just don't talk about it anymore. But his name is Peter Salem. Peter Salem right there. And right beside him is David Grosser, black and white, fighting side by side in the American Revolution. But Peter Salem is the one who got all the special honors and awards and accommodations. More than a dozen different awards from the National Congress, from the State Congress, from his military leaders. I mean, he was the hero. He saved countless American lives that day, but we've never even heard of Peter Salem today. In the same way, we'll see the picture of George Washington crossing the Delaware, but we wouldn't recognize folks like Prince Whipple and Oliver Cromwell, two black patriots who served throughout the American Revolution with the general and the general staff throughout the Revolution. Never even heard of those guys. And that the ironic thing, Jonathan, is these guys are in paintings. Yes, they are. And you see the painting. And honestly, and, and you know, this is this is a testament to to my own personal ignorance. I've seen those paintings, and I assumed that those individuals were 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 slaves. And th- shame on me. Shame on me, until I heard it explained to me that, no, 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 these were free men fighting, fighting side by side and, and, and being heroic. These black men and these white men working together for a cause bigger than themselves. So these are things we need to understand and we need to realize that when you have a cause, and that's what Christianity is about, when you have a cause that is greater than yourself, you draw others to that cause, not to you, but to that cause, so you can be more than overcomers. Let's go to the phones. All right. Well, we have Julius from Connecticut. Good morning, Julius, and welcome to Christian Questions. Gentlemen, good morning. Thank you for the uh, timely topic. Uh, yeah, uh, this is my one of my favorite quotations, and I appreciate your connection between uh, uh, Christianity, etc., and uh, living our politics. I appreciate that. Yes. That's not exactly uh, easy to do. But anyway, quote, do not put a period where God puts a comma. He still is speaking. God is still speaking. Then, his word is truth. As you stated the truth earlier, that the truth shall make you free. Truth makes free, but freedom is not free. Right. Freedom costs God, the freedom that God gives us, cost his son to make us free. John 3.16, God gave his only begotten son. So uh, God, he gives us freedom, but he cost, and we should keep that in mind. Thanks. God bless. Thank you, Julius. Appreciate your call. And actually, Julius was... was going in the direction that we're going to go right now. So, Julius, thanks for that introduction. Um, because we, we've been talking about individuals who, who paid a price mm-hmm. for American freedom. Well, let's talk about individuals who paid a price for Christian freedom. Christian freedom fighters are the men and women through the ages driven by their sacred honor. Jesus first and foremost. Yes. And we won't, we won't have time to read this whole scripture, but folks, we encourage you to go to Isaiah chapter 53, verses 4 to 12, because, uh, and let's just start with verse 5, Jonathan. Just We just want to drop in on a few parts of this. This is the price that Julius was alluding to, the price that Jesus paid for not only Christian freedom, but eventually worldwide freedom. But he was wounded for our transgressions, crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the punishment that made us whole, and by his 
bruises, we are healed. So he took on difficulties and sins that were not his own, but he willingly took them on. Go to verse 7. He was oppressed, and he was afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. Like a lamb that is led to slaughter, and like a sheep that before his shearers is silent, so he did not open his mouth. So what that's saying is he took these things upon himself and he willingly bore the burdens, the shame, the ignominy, and the torture. And he was faithful to his death. And then in John 16, it talks about Jesus telling us, you will be made outcast from the synagogue. An hour is coming that when people kill you, they'll think they're doing service to God. So he's saying, this is what happened to me. It's going to happen to you. If you are willing to be a Christian Patriot, and I'm going to use that a little bit loosely here. A Christian patriot fighting for Christianity, not, this is now, this is not about America, this is about Christianity. Fighting for the principles of Christianity so that you can fight for the, the opportunity to sacrifice your life, then you can be truly free indeed. That's what Christianity and Christian freedom is all about. This is Christian Questions. I'm Jonathan here with Rick. Our subject this morning How are America, Christianity, and Freedom connected? Coming up, are there any dangers that can come from freedom? Can time be an enemy? Can we forget the most important things? That's next. You're listening to Christian Questions. Welcome back. This is Christian Questions. I'm Jonathan here with Rick. Our subject this morning, how are America, Christianity, and freedom connected? To be a part of our program, call toll-free 866-985-4255. That's 866-985-4ALL. We're live Sunday mornings from 7 to 9. That means we're on right now. And our website, ChristianQuestions.com. And Jonathan, we're talking about freedom, we're looking at American freedom, we're comparing and contrasting it with Christian freedom, we're looking at the founding of America, and the amazing amount of information we have on the basis of America being founded in not only Christian principles, but, but biblical principles, especially for the laws. Uh, Deuteronomy was, was well quoted in early uh, American history. Yes, it was. In, in putting laws together, they went to the greatest source they could find, God Almighty. What, a, what an inspiration to me uh, that is. And, and, and we're looking at, at, at how Christian freedom, what our responsibility is as, as Christians, and we're not talking about being a Christian American patriot. What we're talking about is being a Christian, a patriot for Jesus, essentially living that life of sacrifice uh, because that's what Jesus called us to do. So, uh, as we go through this, American, we're, you, you said something at the end of the last segment about dangers yes. of freedom. Mm-hmm. And well, time might be a problem. <laughs> time is always a problem. Uh, American, American freedom's dangers lie in ignoring where and what we came from. And while in that state of ignorance, devising a future based upon our wants of the present without consulting the wisdom of the past. Oh, yeah. All right. Let, let me say that again, okay? Americans, American freedom's dangers lie in ignoring where and what we came from, while, and while in that state of ignorance, devising a future based upon our wants of the present without consulting the wisdom of the past. This makes us God. That's what it does, because it, 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 that's what idolatry is. is. Idolatry is just saying, this is it. This is what's best for me. I am going to decide. I become God. And there is incredible danger 
in that in that in that direction. There's no humility. It's more selfishness. It's it's total selfishness. And there's no humility. You're right. None. A quote from Benjamin Franklin. From, this was from the Constitutional Convention of 1787. God governs in the affairs of man, and if a sparrow cannot fall to the ground without his notice, is it probable that an empire can rise without his aid? We have been assured in the sacred writings that except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. I firmly believe this. I also believe that without his concurring aid, we shall succeed in this political building no better than the builders of Babel. So Benjamin Franklin quoting scripture and, and just basically saying, trust in God first and foremost. There's that. Or we're lost. It's right. not going to work. Right. And, and, and so one of the dangers of freedom is time, like you said, because the further you get away from the event, the harder it is to remember the impact of the event. We can read about an event, but do you, do you feel the impact? Folks, if you have a thought, it's 866-985-4255, toll free, 866-985-4ALL. We're live Sunday morning from 7 to 9, and that means we're on right now. While studying the Bible and talking about today's Christian topics, go to ChristianQuestions.com for audio, video, CQ Rewind, and other free resources that no one else has on the planet. All programs are recorded and archived online. Check them out at ChristianQuestions.com. You gotta go there. You just gotta because you gotta. Jonathan, another another soundbite from David Barton. Remember the Supreme Court um, soundbite we played in, in from 1892? Yes. Um, about the decision made in 1892. We're going to finish up that little bit of a story. Uh, again, in 1892, there was a Supreme Court case, and the Supreme Court designated 87 precedents where Christ and Christianity were first and foremost in, in, in America and in American history. And they're saying, we shouldn't be taking it out because that's where it belongs. Here's all the precedents that prove it. Here, here's the, 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 the conclusion of that. Now, had we attended school prior to World War II, we would have known of these 87 precedents. We would have found most of them in our textbooks. But anyone that's attended high school since World War II has probably never seen even one of the instances that the U.S. Supreme Court cited as the emphatic basis for their declaration that we are a Christian nation, that Christian principles are to remain the basis of this society. So basically what he's saying is, if you went to high school before World War II, you would have known this. But since then, no, they, they started to revise the actual history and, all, and give you selected pieces of history. And now suddenly, you're not finding this out. So you don't know that it was a Supreme Court decision 120 years after the founding of this country to restate the fact that Christ, Christian principles are the basis for American society. And David Barton looked at it a little different. He said, we're a Christian nation, but we agree that it's Christian principles that yes. created our nation. Right. The, the Christian principles that we're built on. Micah 6, verses 6 to 8. Again, these are verses, part of these are, are verses that everybody knows. With what shall I come to the Lord and bow myself before the God on high? Shall I come to him with burnt offerings, with yearling calves? Does the Lord take delight in thousands of rams, in ten thousand rivers of oil? Shall I present my firstborn for my rebellious acts, the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? He has told you, O man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? but to do justice, to love kindness, and to walk humbly with your God. So this is a great scripture because it's saying, look, what do you do to, to get God's attention? Do you give him the, most, the greatest and most elaborate sacrifices, 10,000 rivers of oil? Do, do, I, do you present your firstborn for your rebellious acts? Do you, does the Lord take, uh, take delight in, ten, in thousands of, of, of rams set before him as, as a sacrifice? No. He says, no. What does he want from you? What does God want from you? Do justice, love kindness, and walk humbly before him. And that is what... 
what we as Christians are really supposed to be about. And that really is a principle that America was founded on. That very principle. Do justice, love kindness, or love mercy, and walk humbly with your God. That's what America was founded on. That 1892 Supreme Court decision verified that. Now, we want to jump ahead about another 120 years Uh or so to another (laughs) Supreme Court decision, uh, and I'm not sure the year. It was in the last three or four years. This is a Supreme Court decision regarding the Ten Commandments. Okay, This is from uh, a a YouTube clip called uh, The Fruit of a Nation That Forgets God. Uh, Listen to the quote about the Supreme Court decision about the posting of the Ten Commandments. Listen to what the Supreme Court said in the United States concerning the Ten Commandments. If the posted copies of the Ten Commandments are to have any effect at all, it will be to induce the school children to read meditate upon, perhaps to venerate and obey the commandments. This is not a permissible state objective. James Wilson, a signer of the Constitution and original justice on the United States Supreme Court and co-author of America's first legal commentaries on the Constitution, he said, Human law must rest its authority ultimately upon the authority of that law which is divine. Far from being rivals or enemies, religion and law are twin sisters. There's some something powerful here, Jonathan. In that 1892 decision, they are verifying the precedents in history that show Christian principles as a centerpiece for American history. Right. Supreme Court decision about 120 years later is saying, and I want to reread the the actual quote from the Supreme Court. If the posted copies of the Ten Commandments are to have any effect at all, it will be to induce the school children to read, meditate upon, perhaps to venerate and obey the commandments. This is not a permissible state objective. Think about that. How far we have gone down the road where the book, the Bible, folks, like it or not, history says the Bible was a centerpiece in the founding of the free nation in which we live. It was a centerpiece and Christian principles dominated the founding of this country. We have come so far as to say that we don't even want to post the Ten Commandments in some place public because heaven forbid, I shouldn't even say heaven forbid, (laughs) but I'm going to say it anyway. Heaven forbid that a child read it and want to honor and venerate those things where the state can't have that. This makes us gods. We know better. Right, right. And, oh, that's sad. And so so the idea is, where have we come? And, and one of the, the, the answers and difficulties after our next statement here is going to be talking about the, the time factor and how dangerous the passage of time can be if we let it be. So we talked about America's freedoms, Jonathan. You know, Now let's talk about Christianity's freedoms. Christianity's freedoms... Dangers, dangers to Christianity's freedom, lie in ignoring where and what we came from. And while in that state of ignorance, devising a future based upon our wants of the present without consulting the wisdom of the past. It's exactly the same thing. It is. And that makes us God or a God. That, that's idolatrous. If we have a want for the future, and unfortunately Christianity has fallen into this incredibly enormous trap of the, 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 the prosperity gospel 
that Christianity is there so you can have a bunch of stuff. So you can have things, and you can have comfort, and you can have ease, and you can have the, the wonderment of all of the, 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 the things, because God wants you to be wealthy, and God wants you to be happy. If you're a Christian, God wants you to sacrifice. That's the total opposite. It, it is. <laughs> and, and we forget the founding fathers of Christianity. We forget the life that the Apostle Paul lived. We forget the life of the Apostle John. We forget Peter. We forget Jesus and how they lived. There was no hint of living in comfort, of them asking for things so they could be more comfortable. Well, God wants me to have more stuff. God wants me to have more fish. So, you know, you know, Peter the fisherman is going to pray. He didn't do that. He understood that God wanted him through Jesus to sacrifice everything he had and everything he was. That's what Christianity is about. Let's look at Galatians five, thirteen to 15. For you were called to freedom, brethren. Only do not turn your freedom into an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word, in the statement, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, take care that you are not consumed by one another. So just as uh, we were looking at the founding of America based on the, the individuals who gave so much and sacrificed so much, we have to look back in our Christianity at the founders of Christianity and study their lives. You know, Jonathan, we were talking uh, before the program uh, about the danger of the passage of time. That's right. And I was thinking of Joseph as the example. Do you remember the next, um, what, what was he called, the Pharaoh right. that, that took over after? Uh, after Joseph saved the nation and the world. That's right. Okay, let's put it in perspective. Joseph, he had, you know, interpreted the dreams engineered the project to save all the food so when the great famine came, people wouldn't starve to death. Because of him. So Joseph, because God was with him, engineered the saving of countless lives. The next leadership took over. They didn't know Joseph. They didn't care about Joseph. It was going to be their way. And so Israel, or the, the Jewish people, ended up becoming slaves. That's right. History was forgotten. So in, in just, that, just that one generation. I know. And so what that tells us is we have biblical precedent to tell us this is something to be worried about. Yes. It's, it's a danger to allow time to go by without revisiting the origin yes. of where you came from. Where is your Christianity born? Folks, it's not born in your church today. That's not where it's born. That's where it might be repeated. It's where it might be interpreted, but it's born in the account of Holy Scripture. Go back to the Holy Scripture and study and absorb the life of sacrifice because no matter what I say, no matter what you say, no matter what your church says, that is the source to understand what is required of our Christian lives. Our, 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 our lives, our sacred honor, that's what's required of our Christian lives. Jonathan, let's go to Ephesians. Folks, if you have a thought, it's 866-985-4255, toll free, 866-985-4ALL. We're live Sunday mornings from 7 to 9, and that means we're on right now. And our website is ChristianQuestions.com. Ephesians six ten through 12. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the full armor of God so that you will be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. So that's reminding us who the battle is against so we make sure we go back to the origin. And, and you know, uh, Trish actually just handed me a note that is, is very appropriate here. So that's why God, for Israel, instituted the Passover. Yes. The celebration was, and he said, lest you forget, I want you every year to stop, recreate 
what happened. I want you to know the deliverance that I gave to the people. And that's why Jesus took that same Passover and built the memorial celebration right on top of that. That's right. Because he was saying, do this in remembrance of me. Do it at the same time. Stop. Recreate the sacrifice and freedom that I gave to you. It is so important for us to not forget the true founding of our Christian history. And, and that goes for uh, America. You don't want to forget the Christian principles, the biblical principles and scripture that were there. And we don't want to forget to honor those things. As, uh, because those, Jonathan, those were the things that made America successful. They are. Make no mistake about it. Those were the things that made America the successful experiment in freedom. You can't have an equitable and successful society just for free. There can never be freedom from consequence. Okay. There can never be freedom from laws. There can never be freedom from responsibility. There can never be freedom without contribution. Okay. So you can have you can't have freedom without all of those things. There's those are all parts of it. Now, did God intend this freedom for the human race? Did God intend the human race to have freedom? Let's look at John twelve, thirty one and thirty two. No judgment is upon this world. Now the ruler of this world will be cast out, and I if I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all men to myself. So Jesus is saying that the world will be free. He says the judgment upon this world is now, the ruler of this world is cast out. Now, was Satan actually cast out at that moment? No, he was not. But Jesus is prophetically saying that I have control and freedom will prevail through me, Jesus Christ. This is Christian Questions. I'm Jonathan here with Rick. Our subject this morning, how are America, Christianity, and freedom connected? Coming up, the Founding Fathers stoked the fire for freedom. Very inspirational. What fuels your motivation for Christianity? Are you still zealous for God's plan? That's next. You're listening to Christian Questions. Welcome back. This is Christian Questions. I'm Jonathan here with Rick. And our subject this morning, how are America, Christianity, and freedom connected? To be a part of our program, call toll-free 866-985-4255. That's 866-985-4ALL. We're live Sunday mornings from 7 to 9. That means we're on right now. And our website, ChristianQuestions.com. So, Jonathan, in our, this is our last segment. Uh, we're going to be talking about what is the fuel of freedom. What makes it, what, what drives freedom? What gives it the ability to go? And, and we know that America's freedom was fueled by prayerful and careful focus on those things which are understood as God-given human rights. That's right. That's history. It is. That's documented history. Prayerful and careful focus on those things which were understood as God-given human rights. A quote from Patrick Henry. It cannot be emphasized too clearly and too often that this nation was founded not by religionists, but by Christians, not on religion, but on the gospel of Jesus Christ. For this very reason, peoples of other faiths have been afforded asylum, prosperity, and freedom of worship here. That was in May 1765 speech to the House of Burgesses. And again, Jonathan, the, the great thing about that is it's a, it, it's, he's not saying that, well, Christianity is the state a religion, he's saying no. that because Christianity exists, other religions are welcome to, to flourish. That's right. And what a great statement that is. 
because there's that freedom that the, they wanted to have the open door, open doors in America. Let's go back to David Barton one more time. He's going to be talking about uh, the Declaration of Independence. And, you know, in the Declaration of Independence, there is one thing that everybody always, always talks about, always repeats, taxation without representation. Oh, yes. Okay. Well, listen to what he says about that and the context that, that it is built in. We're often told that the Founding Fathers did the Declaration of Independence because taxation without representation. That's why they birthed America. They, they didn't like what was going on economically, so taxation without representation, here we are today. That's okay as far as it goes, but the problem is the Declaration of Independence listed 27 reasons that they separated from Great Britain. Taxation without representation was issue number 17 out of the 27. It didn't even make the top half of what concerned them, and that's the only one we focus on. We have so bored into economics being everything that a nation is that we've missed so many of the moral and religious aspects that have been out there really for centuries. So when you look at the Declaration of Independence, you look at those 27 clauses, you look at the rights that are set forth in the Declaration of Independence. Historians have documented that every right set forth in the Declaration of Independence had been preached from the American pulpit prior to 1763. So again, you have the, the, the sense of Christianity really feeding and influencing the founding of America. And I just find it fascinating because, again, shame on me, but I fall into that same category when I think of the Declaration of Independence. Sadly, I admit it. Taxation without representation is the, is the thing that comes into my head. Number 17. Yeah, not even the top 10. No. <laughs> so it's interesting that to, to understand the value of history, we really need to see the magnitude of history. And we're looking at American history at the moment, and we're going to go back to Christian history in another moment, because Christian history, as great and inspiring as American history is, Jonathan, it is a drop in a, in a tiny little bucket in relation to the ocean of Christian history and what it means. Yes. So, I mean, let's keep this in perspective. One more quote uh, from Alexander Hamilton this time. For my own part, I sincerely esteem it, the Constitution, a system which, without the finger of God, never could have been suggested and agreed upon by such a diversity of interests. And that was uh, spoken at the 1787 uh, in 1787, after the Constitutional Convention. So you have all of these quotes, Jonathan, all of this history going back to uh, God. That's what it goes back to. It just goes back to God. Now, the next soundbite, this is going to be our last soundbite for this program. Folks, this is utterly fascinating. And you listen to this, and this is an easy uh, piece of history to document. Okay, This is an easy piece of history to document because all of the records of Congress are documented. Right. The very first page of the very first record of Congress. This is, li listen to what it says. This is David Barton one more time. If you'll go to any public library or just go online, you can read the records of Congress, the records of everything that's gone on in Congress. And if you'll go back to page one, you'll see the very first time that these founding fathers got together. The very first session of the very first Congress of the United States. September the 6th, 1774. And if you'll read the records of Congress, you'll say, oh, look, they opened with prayer. And you keep reading, you say, hmm, that wasn't a dicky little prayer, was it? No, it wasn't. According to historical records, some records indicate that the opening prayer session in Congress ran up to three hours long, just in the opening prayer session in Congress. Now, it was such a significant time, and so many delegates wrote about it, that you take someone like Silas Dean. He said that after that time of prayer in Congress, he said even the stern old Quakers had tears running down their cheeks. Isn't that fascinating? That's phenomenal. Wow. 
So, so Congress, the very first session of Congress of the United States opens with prayer. But it's not, dear God, bless this meeting in Jesus' name, amen. No. It is a, three hours a three of heartfelt prayer. Uh, it's, it's not a prayer. It's a prayer session, which the members are all contributing. Because what do they want from this Congress? They want it to be godly. And they wanted to thank God for everything he did up to that point. And the, the quote was that at, after that time of prayer, even the stern old Quakers had tears running down their cheeks. So it was a, an emotional, moving experience. So now that they put godliness first, they could go about the business of setting up the laws of the country. I mean, think about that. Think about the profound influence that God had on these founding fathers. And that's why history is so important to not just read about it, but to feel it. it three, Jonathan, we're on the air for two hours every yes, Sunday morning. Yes, we two are. Two hours. Add another hour and imagine all of that time in a prayer session, thanking God, asking for God's guidance, heartfelt. These are grown men. This, these are not children being taught to pray. These are grown men sitting there looking to God for guidance so they do the godly thing utter inspiration. That's right. Folks, if you have a thought, now would absolutely be the time. 866-985-4255. Toll free. 866-985-4ALL. We're live Sunday mornings from 7 to 9, and that means we're on right now. And if you have any questions on our subject, give us a call or ask your questions at ChristianQuestions.com or go to our Facebook or email us at Rick at ChristianQuestions.net. So, Let's look now, we looked at America's freedom, what it was fueled by. Remember, prayerful and careful focus on those things which were understood as God-given human rights? Mm -hmm. Christianity's freedom is fueled by prayerful and careful focus on those things which are understood as God-given human privilege to sacrifice for the purpose of restoring the original God-given plan for the eternal life of mankind. That is... Is what Christian, that's what fuels true Christian freedom. We are free in Christ to live a life of sacrifice. We are free to sacrifice. That's what we're, we're not free to do what we want. We're free to sacrifice so that we can bring about the fruition of God's plan. Romans 6, chapter 6, verses 18 to 22. You have been set free from sin and have become slaves to righteousness. I put this in human terms because you are weak in your natural selves, just as you used to offer the parts of your body in slavery to impurity and to ever-increasing wickedness. So now offer them in slavery to righteousness, leading to holiness. See, that's Christian freedom, folks. Make no mistake, Christian freedom is slavery to the will of God. What the, that is the greatest slavery, that's the greatest servitude you can imagine. And, and remember, slavery in this case is not the slavery that we think of. This is a whole different thing, yes. subject for another day. But the point is, we are freed from sinful thinking to become servitude, uh, me- members of servitude to the, to the way of God. That's what our Christian life is supposed to be about. Well, Rick, we have a call. We have Randall from Connecticut. Good morning, Randall, and welcome to Christian Questions. Good morning. Holy Sunday, guys. Thank you. Just one thought for this morning. In no other country in the world would we be given the freedom to carve out our Christian existence as we are here. The opportunity and the responsibility is ours. Micah 6.8 He has showed thee, O man, what is good, and what does the Lord require of thee, but to do justly, and to love mercy, and to walk humbly with thy God. 
Randall, thanks so much. We appreciate it. God bless you guys. Take care. And that accentuates the comments that we were making earlier, that there is something special about living in a, in a place we do have freedom of expression, of religious expression. And we thank God for that ability to have freedom. Look, Jonathan, without it, we couldn't be doing what we're doing. You know it. So we are thankful for that. And so let's take what we're given and then use it for what it's supposed to be used for. And our Christianity... Folks, have we truly dedicated our lives, our fortunes, and our sacred honor to the cause of freedom in Christ? Okay, see, that's the real true question. We've we spent a lot of time talking about American history today. And the Founding Fathers. And But that is just a small picture of what the freedom of, in Christ is really all about. So let's, for this last few minutes, Jonathan, let's just focus on what the freedom in Christ, the freedom to serve, the freedom to sacrifice, the freedom to give up your life, to do the will of Jesus. What does that bring, not just to you, but to everybody else. Isaiah chapter 2, verse 2. In days to come, the mountain of the Lord's house shall be established as the highest of the mountains and shall be raised above the hills. All the nations shall stream to it. See, now that's an Old Testament prophecy. Have we seen all the nations streaming to the house of God? No. No, not even close. So you have to say that this is something that's going to happen later. Yes. Because if the Bible says it's going to happen, it's going to happen. And if it hasn't already happened, it means it will happen. So let's get a little more detail by looking at some other prophecies to see where this Christian freedom and sacrifice brings us. Zephaniah chapter 3, verse 9. For then will I turn to the people a pure language, that they may all call upon the name of the Lord to serve him with one consent. Uh, you wonder what that pure language is. As a matter of fact... At some point in the future, we're going to have David Stein back to talk about that. He's got some fascinating Ooh, stuff on that. Interesting. But anyway, that they may all call upon the name of the Lord and serve him with one consent. Have we seen that happen? No. See, Christianity, Christian sacrifice is for the purpose of being able to bless all the nations of the earth. That's what the, the promise in Genesis said. So if we're part of it, we're sacrificing so these things can come true for everybody else. Not just us, everybody else. Daniel chapter 7, verses 13 and 14. As I watched in the night visions, I saw one like a human being coming with the clouds of heaven. And he called to the Ancient One and was presented before him. To him was given dominion and glory and kingship that all peoples, nations, and languages shall serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion that shall not pass away. And his kingship is one that shall never be destroyed. <laughs> that is such an amazing prophecy. That's Daniel chapter 7, verses 13 and 14. It talks about this glory and kingship and kingdom of Jesus. With all peoples, nations, and languages. And that hasn't happened yet. Therefore, it's going to happen. Christian sacrifice is for the purpose of being faithful to bring this world and these governments, America included, to an end so that the government of Jesus Christ can overrule everything. And Jonathan, our final scripture, and this is really focusing on the price that Jesus paid, and it's, it's, you think of it like a, a relay race. Jesus paid the price and essentially is handing off the baton to us saying, okay, do what I did. I know you can't do it perfectly. I know you're going to fall down. I know you're going to fail. But do what I did. Follow my steps. Isaiah 61.1. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, because the Lord hath anointed me to preach good tidings unto the meek. He has set me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to them that are bound. So when we look at American history, we see that being fulfilled in a very, very small way, in a very small nation when you think about it, for a very short period of time. And that's a wonderful thing, and we thank 
God for the opportunity for living in a country where we can be free as a result of what those people did yes. 237 years ago. As we look at our Christianity, though, folks, let's remember the history of Christianity. The way we, Ameri- we remember American history, let's remember the history of Christianity and remember that when you go back to the founding fathers of Christianity, their lives were lives of giving, lives of sacrifice, lives of spreading the gospel, li- lives of laying down their very existence for the cause of Christ to the end that all nations of the world would be and could be blessed. Why do we say that? Because God said it in his holy book, and if he said it, it comes true. Folks, we hope you've enjoyed being with us this morning. We've truly enjoyed being with you on a very special Sunday morning, talking about some important pieces of history. Let's take them, let's apply them, let's remember them for what they truly are, and let's move forward. For Jonathan and Rick, it's Christian Questions. How are America, Christianity, and Freedom Connected? Very well. Don't forget it. Think about it.